Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Causeway Kings are back. And we've got one heck of an episode for you coming up here on the WMEX Sports Podcast Network. Ringers of all things, Causeway Street and Black and Gold. This is going to be a fun one. Your friend Ben, as always, hosting. We're alongside Adam Clancy, Gordo, back in the red corner. Marshall joins us as always. The boys have all assembled. And boys, first of all, thank you for joining us as always here on a Tuesday night at Broadcast House Studios. We have a very special guest here tonight. And without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to bring everybody. First of all, drafted by the Phoenix Coyotes, the sixth round, number 153 in the 2007 NHL entry draft, former Carolina Hurricane and 2015 Stanley Cup champion with the Chicago Blackhawks. Ladies and gentlemen, number 33, Scott Darling, joins us tonight. Scott, thank you so much for being here. What an intro. Wow, I'm, I'm blushing right now. Thank you so much. No, I'm, I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be a great time. We're just so happy to have you here, brother. And uh, we're going to start right from the top. The boys here are all very excited. You can tell how giddy they all are here just to be in the gr- a presence here of, uh, of greatness and uh, hilarity as well because you're actually uh, modern day right now. I want to start right off with this a little bit. We're going to start a little bit backwards. You're in comedy right now. I want to know about this. What's going on with it? Um, yes, you know, uh, so I retired last year from playing and I took some time to like kind of like decompress from being a goalie for 25 years, you know, 11 years pro. And, you know, it's a transition. You're like, you know, what I'm going to do with my life now? Like, what, what do I do? I'm 33. I was 32 at the time. I'm like, oh, I got to find something to do. And I've always loved comedy. Um, so I, you know, always go watch comedy shows. I never thought I'd actually do it. And then, you know, I met a comedian who had like the kind of same dark sense of humor that I have. And we got to talking, we became great friends. I consider him my mentor. Um, and he said, he's like, come out. He's like, come out, open for me one time. And if you don't like it, I'll never ask you to do it again. I went out. We went to Indiana, did a show. I was fucking terrible. Nice. But I loved it. Like, it was like the rush, like that shit that shoots up your spine. Like, it's like the same feeling as like getting on the ice for an NHL game. You know, you're scared, but anxious, but excited at the same time. And ever since then, I've just been like gung-ho, guns ablaze, and trying to like do this new, you know, part of my life. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's so awesome. And you know what? Uh, I've been on air myself now since 2012, uh, full-time capacity. And I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody else. If you don't walk into that place for a show, first thing, and you don't have those butterflies in your stomach, you're doing something wrong or you're not humble anymore. So the fact that you said that tells me that you always put on a heck of a show. Even that first one, I bet, was a wing dinger, man. So we'll, we'll come back around to this. We'll talk about this. But, boys, we're going to open up the questions. We're going to jump right in. Scott, let's go back in time. Very first game, very first puck, first ice. When was that moment for you that you said, oh, man, the hockey bug has bit? Uh, You're talking all the way back? Oh, dude, the first time you realized realized that it was time. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. Like, my dad was a goalie, so when I was a little kid, I would go watch him play men's league. I'd go go to the game, stay up late, see the locker room, you know, like 
you know, when obviously you want to impress your dad and I was, you know, fucking four years old living in, we lived in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, I grew up military. So we were out there and, you know, I loved the gear, the gear drew me to it. And I played for one of those teams where like you rotate positions, like someone plays a different position every game. And I was so fucking bad at forward that, and I went in the net and they were like, you did good. Like you just stay there. Like we stopped. Rotating. That's and, great. And uh, yeah, man, I never left. I started playing goalie when I was five and played for, I mean, I didn't graduate college, so I can't do the math, but probably 25 years of goalie. So that's how it all started. You're, you're a big, you're a big guy. Were you a big kid? No, I was, I was small. My junior year of uh, high school, I grew nine inches. Jesus Christ. And I became the worst goalie in the world. I was so uncoordinated. Like you, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hit water if I fell out of a boat. Like I was that fucking uncoordinated. <laughs> what a way uh, to put it. I love it. Yeah. My senior year, it all kind of clicked. I'm, all of a sudden, I'm six, six and everything started working again. And that's when things kind of took off for me. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Now, go, going back to like your, your younger days and your youth career, like did you play just like local town teams or were you playing like, you know, around here, we, you know, we have the travel elite teams where you travel around different states, different, you know, what, what was kind of like your, you know, stepping stones in your hockey career leading up to high school and juniors? Yeah. So like it started out because like I said, I grew up military. So we moved around a lot and then, you know, we were stationed in Alabama and I made like team Southwest. So I got to play for this all-star team for all the best players in the Southwest. Like hockey wasn't big down there back then and or sorry, Southeast. And my dad kind of realized that I, I was good at like what I was doing. So he left the military. We moved back to Chicago. My family's from Chicago to get me back in like a hockey, like kind of place where people play hockey. So I went through like June, I mean, like AAA, like travel hockey in Illinois. And then I kind of like got over that. So I went to prep school in Canada for a year. I went to Notre Dame in Saskatchewan. And then I started, I started playing juniors when I was like 13. So I'm playing with 21 year olds. I'm 13 years old and like living out with billet families, like in Iowa. So I went through the ranks of junior hockey um, from the Central States Junior B to the North American League, ended up in the Eastern Junior League. And when I was in the Eastern Junior League, that's when I got like drafted, committed to Maine. Um, and then I went to the USHL for a year in Indianapolis and then went to Maine and then started playing pro after that. Wow. How did you end up in Saskatchewan from Chicago? Yeah. My parents couldn't afford Shattuck St. Mary. Come on. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's where all the fancy people go. So, were, you, were you a team? Were you a team? Uh, team Illinois guy, CYA. Yeah, I played both those. I played TI, yeah. and then uh, cool. then we all our whole you know it's like politics and you know hockey. So our whole like team moved to CYA. So we played there for two years, and then like a kind of uh, you know with you know there's crazy hockey parents. You know what I mean? So crazy hockey oh, parents. We've never heard of those. Yeah, so no one kind of wanted to deal with my dad. Uh, <laughs> so instead of continuing on AAA, that's why I ended up like going to, you know, the best place I could play because no one wanted to deal with my dad, like in Chicago AAA hockey. Wow. We've talked so dad? many times in past episodes about hockey parents ruining opportunities for kids. It's, I mean, 
obviously he didn't ruin it for you, but he certainly made it difficult. I mean, yeah. do you remember as a kid how that made you feel? Just be like, it's not me. It's definitely you, Dad, right? Yeah, no, I was a quiet kid. I was just like, I just shut up and stopped talking. Like, I don't care. <laughs> but, um, but that's how I ended up going up to Saskatchewan. It, it was a great experience. It's a great hockey school. Um, it's probably the best hockey prep school in Canada. I mean, there's plenty of great ones in the U.S., but they're super expensive. And, you know, I come from like a normal upbringing. So, um, yeah, so that's how I ended up going up there. Yeah. A bunch of of my uh, college teammates were, I weirdly, I played with a bunch of Canadian guys in college and most of them were for some like British Columbia, Saskatchewan. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them played for the Hounds growing up. Yeah, farm boys at the Notre Dame. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We had some big teams at Providence back then. So now you, you mentioned playing juniors at the age of 13 against, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds. Like what, what was that like? Was that nerve wracking or was that like a confidence booster for you? Like I'm stopping pucks with kids that are considered grown men right now and basically telling them fucking go pound sand because they can't get anything by me. Yeah, I mean, it was like from a hockey standpoint, I didn't really care. It's like I just was there to stop box. It's more of like a lifestyle standpoint where it's like I'm in, I'm in I'm a sophomore in high school. You know, these guys are out boozing every weekend, throwing you know parties after the games, and I'm a, I'm a kid. You know what I mean? Like I, um, so it's a weird dynamic. Um, but from a hockey standpoint, yeah, I would say it was a confidence booster. Like my backup goalie was twenty. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> and he was a great guy but like i could tell he like secretly hated me <laughs> at least he was a good teammate to you to your face that's what matters most you know yeah, he taught me how to be a good backup goalie you know just you know support the boys support the team and that's uh that's why i ended up being a great backup goalie <laughs> and scott did you play any other sports growing up or were you just like a strictly like you you became a goalie and that's all you did uh, i played everything actually i was actually when i was 17 i had to decide uh if i wanted to do baseball professionally or hockey Ooh, that's a tough one and looking back no regrets because it worked out but there's a lot more money to be had in baseball <laughs> there's no salary caps in, in baseball uh, yeah but uh and, and I your size, that, I have to imagine you were a pitcher or... i was pitcher catcher third base um what so, um, but my dad always said I was better at baseball, but I, I liked hockey more. So I went with, uh, went with hockey. You know, ba- it's like listening to myself talk. Cause my father always said the same thing. My father was in the military. I loved baseball growing up. I was a much better baseball player than hockey player, but I just followed the hockey dream. And my father's yeah. always like, he says, he goes, if you never played hockey, he's like, I'd be a fucking millionaire right now. <laughs> he goes, if you played baseball, I had to buy it with a pair of fucking cleats and a glove kid. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. remember, boys, baseball is good, but baseball has no Stanley Cup in it. So keep that in mind. Yeah. No, like I said, I got no regrets, man. It's uh, It all worked out. But uh, I love baseball. I love playing. Uh, I play for fun in, like, rec leagues in Chicago now. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I played lacrosse. I played rugby. I played, you know, everything. So cool. Oh, shit. That's awesome. I was going to say, growing up and playing in those junior leagues, um, you know, who do you credit with kind of your development? Because, you know, it seems like it's pretty tough being a mentor if you got a 20-year-old starter and a, a 13, 14-year-old uh, backup goalie. So who do you credit when you were a younger kid to kind of getting you and in, in molding you and in, in developing you into the goalie you became uh, going to Maine? 
Well, I mean, I have to give credit to my dad. Like he was a goalie, you know, he thought he was my goalie coach, uh, but he was, he was my goalie coach. Um, I had a, a good coach when I was younger named Ted Schlipp uh, when I was, you know, young playing in the Central States Junior B League in Quad City who really like, he like saw something in me and like, and we're still friends to this day. He's a great guy. And, you know, he kind of like helped me like move up, like didn't hold me back. Like sometimes coaches are like, we want to keep you. Like if I had an opportunity to move up, like he was like, go, he's like, you deserve it. Like you're, so he was great. And then, you know, I, I got really lucky. I have a, I know Heath, you know, my agent, uh, Matt Cater. Um, I've been with him since I was 17. Uh, we're still great friends to this day. Uh, he, he's probably, he probably gets the most credit for my juniors, like college, like professional success, because I had my ups and downs. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but he never like did not pick up the phone. Like he'd always, he was always there for me. And like, he's the man. I love him. Like he probably gets the most credit for where I got to where I got, you know, that's a good, he's a great guy. That was back in my playing days. That was he was around, he'd like, you know, he'd always like, he was at every game I played and like followed my dad around and you're just a really nice guy. And then, you know, once I, once I got to that, you know, that draft year and things just, and my parents didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm going, we should go with Matt. We should go with Matt. Yeah. My parents were like, well, this guy's connected here and this guy does this and this guy's got all these NHL players and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but when shit started going sideways for me as a player and my personal life. And I probably could have used a guy that would have picked up the phone and fucking call me back. And, yeah. and then, you know, so that's a great guy. And um, I, 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 we talked about it on the phone, but just to, to fill you guys in and our listeners uh, I was, I don't know where the fuck I ran into Matt. And uh, I think his son was playing. Maybe the son was a pretty, pretty good little hockey player. Yeah. yeah, had some good hands and um, and uh, I think we we traded information because I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he handed me a uh, oh, sorry, he sent me probably like a week later, sent me an email and he's like, hey, I thought you would really appreciate this article. It's about one of my clients. Um, and I think you had just signed with Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it was about your story. And uh, so I'm like reading through it and I'm like, holy shit like checking all the boxes, like, yep. Been through that. Yep. Been there, done that. Um, so kind of became like an instant fan. And then you fucking went on and won a cup with Chicago. It was fucking pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't say enough about him. Like, like you said, like when you're not serving like your agents and like the big firms and stuff, like they turn their phones off. Like yeah, Matt, Matt I was down the dumps. Like we talked about this, like I was, I went from fucking, height to hell back to height and like when i was in hell like he helped me so much always picked up the phone did anything he could for me he wasn't getting money from it you know what i mean you take your four percent of what my 200 bucks a week here's your your fucking eight dollars like you know um but uh yeah i give him the most credit for me getting other than like my personal work ethic um but as somebody who helped me along he probably gets the most credit for it and then how did you get, and then you know, obviously you have a lot of ties to Boston because Matt's a local guy. And then you, and you, you, I believe you worked with Decord for quite a long time, correct? Yeah. 13 years. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we trained at Merrimack every summer um, and did that for, I mean, until I was like 
27, 28, did that every year since I was like 17, 18. Um, you know, as a goalie coach, he was great for me. And when you're young, like coming up, like there's a place to live. You get the goalie coach, you make your couple hundred bucks a week yeah. you know, to feed yourself, but you get to train for free. And so it was like the perfect setup for somebody like going, you know, trying to, you know, accomplish a dream. Nice. What, um, when you were getting recruited, was it Maine all the way, Scott, or was it, or were there a couple other schools vying for you? Cause obviously Maine's a great school, but did you have your pick of the litter or? Yeah. So for me, it happened pretty fast. Um, cause I was actually playing in the North American league. I was in Mason city, Iowa, and I actually got caught after the first game. Um, my senior year of high school, they cut me. So I went home and my parents were like, you know, maybe you should just stay here, finish high school and then reevaluate like after. Um, and I was like, fuck that. Like, so I started emailing teams and I found this team, the capital district selects. And uh, we played out RPI in New York and they needed a goalie. So I went out there and I kind of just got on a heater, fucking kind of took off. That's when my coordination came back. Thank God. Um, and so all of a sudden, it's like every school in the country had all these visits lined up. The only visit I did RPI because we played at RPI and RPI was great. But then Maine was the second team to like that I visited and their goalie like lineage lineage of like, you know, Jimmy Howard, Ben Bishop, you name it, Garcinol, like everybody down the line. And they offered me, I was like, that's it. Like I had like all these visits lined up, but I was like, nope mains it because i wanted to go there because like they develop goalies they support goalies and you know their track record of producing nhl goalies i was like yep this is where i want to be that's oh. awesome a fine that's a choice a great barn man i love i love yeah. it it's so sick i can't hear shit it's loud as fuck and uh they've i mean they've had you know just some great teams over the years uh yeah. and you played with some pretty good fucking guys there Nyquist yeah. was there. Yeah, my class, we have four guys making NHL for my class. We had uh, Brian Flynn, Gustav Nyquist, and Spencer Abbott um, yep. at me. So that was from my um, year. Um, but, but there is one kid I got to ask you about, and you got to please tell me you got some good stories on him. Will O'Neill. Ownzy. <laughs> I fucking love Will O'Neill, man. <laughs> he is a fucking man. Dude, he is the fucking best. He's such his, a dude. His dad One of my favorite things legend. about him is, like, he would never say he's from Boston. Like, he's so Boston that what, what fucking town is he from? Salem. Yeah. Salem. Like, no, nah, I'm from Salem. Like, I'm yeah. like, you would, people would be like, you're from Boston? Be like, no, I'm from Salem. And I'm like, dude, that's so Boston. <laughs> like, I, I say I'm from Chicago, but I'm from Lamont. Like, I'm from the <laughs> south suburbs. You know what I mean? Right. And... <laughs> But it, it was just so Boston. But he was such a good guy, great player. Like I think, did he get one game in? I think so. Yeah, I think he got one game in. Right, he yeah. was in my class too. Yeah, that kid can throw hands too. Really? Oh yeah, he can. You would well, never I'll think. Say, you would never think it though, because he's not the biggest guy. No, he can. Let, let's say maybe off the ice, he can fucking throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> his, uh, his, his father's a legend around here he's been a co the yeah, coach yeah. his dad's a man i met him a bunch yeah. of times he's been a coach i, coach I think it's got to be yeah. 40 years now at Salem yeah. state wow. and will actually started his own like hockey school now he's trained he trains a bunch of the local pro guys yeah, yeah i saw that he's 
Dude, I, I want nothing but the best for him. I fucking love Oh, yeah. Him. He's such a good kid, you know, and he, he was – he you're right. He was one hell of a player. Yeah. You, you got any dirt stories on him? Come on. Dirt stories, Clance says. <laughs> yeah, got a reputation upkeep around here. Let's say my first night at college, I saw him beat somebody up, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny. That's too funny. <laughs> uh, there's got to be a whole army of people like that along the line here, and uh, I'm sure there was so many more people that uh, you know at Maine, especially that your time at school there. Um, how do you feel it all went? Like, who was one of your biggest influences uh, coming out of that school, especially? I mean, who taught you the most on and off the ice? Um. <laughs> well. Uh, I didn't have the best experience in Maine. Um, I, I know it's common knowledge. So I actually went there because uh, Grant Stanbrook was the goalie guy who like developed all the players. And yeah. he actually left two weeks before I got to school. Uh, and the head, the head coach didn't want me there, but he trusted Grant. And so Grant left. And so I was always kind of at ends with the head coach. So Tim Whitehead didn't really care for me. Um, and to be honest, uh, I wasn't uh, the most professional. We'll say that I was uh, running amok, partying a little bit too much when I was in Maine. Um, Joined so left on bad terms, but uh, and that's why I was only there for two years. But you know, looking back, like you know, I have no gripe with Maine. Um, but my my experience those two years and uh, kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. As it happens sometimes with college. Don't worry, my friend. You're far from alone. Oh, I know. I, I'm, that was eons ago. I'm fucking way over it. But um, I'm, I'm proud I got to wear the Black Bear sweater. And I love playing in that rink. Like, Heath, you said that that rink was fucking so cool. And the fans, the students, like, it was, it was, uh, I'm happy I got to play there. But it didn't really go the way that I had planned on it going. So we'll say that. I don't think college goes the right way for probably about 95% of the guys that go. To be honest, you know, it's like you got that small percentage of guys that, you know, succeed and do well and go on to the next level and play. And then I think the rest of us are just, you know, I talked about it on here a bunch of times with Providence. Like, you know, looking back now, I was a fucking mess. So I don't really blame them. Uh, I blame me. No hard feelings. I blame myself, (laughs) you know, for for doing what I did. To be honest with you, I'm surprised I fucking made it there four years, let alone two years. So, um, but I just always look back like I didn't get like the college experience because like Maine was so fucking boring. Yeah, I I I went to prep school for a year and there was nothing up there. There's nothing. Absolutely. Like the highlight of my week was going to Tim Hortons that we had. (laughs) And that was still a three and a half hour drive, wasn't it? Yeah, and I could still couldn't afford it. I want reparations. These kids are getting paid for fucking college stuff now. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. I want reparations, man. They get sponsors. <laughs> yeah. They got a transfer portal now. You can just leave yeah. if you want. Unacceptable. Pay my boy. Let's go. I was, I was talking <laughs> to one guy. He's like, it's like fantasy football now. There's just guys in the transfer portal like every day, basically. <laughs> Now, now, Scott, obviously, you know, when, when you and University of Maine parted ways, were you looking to go to any other schools or were you like, school's not my thing? I, I you know, I, I'm going to try to pursue the professional aspect of things. No. So I was still being an idiot and I was already drafted by the Coyotes and I was like, fuck this. Like, 
I don't need school. I'm just going to sign with the Coyotes. Like I thought it was going to fall into my lap, go to training camp. They're like, no, you know, and I was like, oh shit, like wake up call. They sent me to the East Coast League and like I was struggling with off-ice stuff and their East Coast League team was the Las Vegas Wranglers. So they sent me to Las Vegas. I'm 21. (laughs) I'm struggling like with my personal life and I get lost in Las Vegas basically yeah, it's a, it's a great place for you. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, even though I was like completely honest with them that I'm like struggling with stuff. They're like, no, nah, we're just going to send you to Vegas. I'm like, this isn't going to go well. Um, so I lasted like three weeks there and then I got gas from there. So I never got signed by the coyotes. And then, you know, I had all my eggs in one basket and I was like, where do I go now? Southern pro league. <laughs> like I can, yeah. Went from NHL training camp to the Southern pro league, Louisiana ice skaters in like three weeks. And you played for uh Macker. Yeah. You played, you played in Louisiana too, right? Just missed yeah. playing with Gordo. Weird fucking story. I was there. <laughs> year I was a swamp you. baby. Dude. I For somebody that had a, I mean, you know, I don't really try to compare myself like, you know, hey, I was a better alcoholic than you or whatever. But if you were a heavy drinker, Lafayette, Louisiana is probably. Oh, my God, man. I fucking drank that place dry. Yeah. The drive through daiquiris, the drive through liquor store. Drive through what? Daiquiris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a drive through. You get them. And the law is you can't put the straw in, but everyone puts a straw in. Like Louisiana's drinking culture is fucking crazy, man. I know. No joke. Yeah, I threw daiquiris. Wow. We, we, the, the first night I went out down there, I walked into a bar and I'm with a couple of, actually one of the guys I was my college teammate and uh, he was a player coach down there. And he's like, oh. he's like, this place sucks. Let's bounce to the next one. He's like, just bring your beer. And I'm like, look at him. So <laughs> yeah. You want me to what? I'm trying to chug my beer down to like fucking get it down. Cause we're, you know, going to the next place. And he's like, no, no, just bring it with you. We literally walk right out the front door. I'm fucking drinking a beer, walking to the next bar. I'm like, oh, this is going to be <laughs> agent law, man. You can fucking do whatever you want down there. Gordo's like, man, where, where I come from, this is a felony. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can't even buy alcohol on Sunday in Massachusetts, <laughs> Louisiana. You can just carry a fucking drink out of the bar. Establishment to establishment. That's great. You made it the whole season there, though, right, Scott? Yeah, I played the whole season. Um, and after that season, that's when I like gave my head a shake and like really like I was like, listen, I don't have a college degree. I don't have a future. I know I'm good at hockey. So like I put all like I stopped partying, I stopped doing all that stuff. And I just went like, you know, pedal the metal, like die hard, hockey, 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 like horse blinders. And I had to play another year in the SP. I played for the Mississippi River Kings. Yeah. And then you know, had to build back my credibility because like people knew that I had the talent, but they didn't trust me because like it was public news. I got kicked out of Maine. And like if they called the ice skaters, like, yeah, this guy was playing hungover every day, you know. So I had to like build back my credibility. And once people kind of caught on, that's when I started getting the opportunities, like slowly climb back up the ladder. Did you did you like how did were you able to just like quit cold turkey and just Oh, I actually, I actually went to rehab when I was 21. Okay. Um, so I went to a place and kind of like, it was a huge wake up call. Cause I was in there and like, like me, I got nothing to complain about. Like my, my family was good to me. You know, I had a good life and you're in there, you hear these stories, these people 
And I was like, what the fuck am I so upset about? Like, you know, I have so much opportunity for me. I didn't burn any bridges in my life. Like I didn't, you know, wasn't a heroin addict who stole from my parents and their parents disowned them or something like that. I'm like, my family loves me. They're supporting me. Like I have so much potential and I kind of got like a fucking light bulb. I was like, let's go. Like, that's it. And I just like went like right. from there. That's it. It's one of the biggest things we always talk about on this show and on the radio station overall, WMEX. Uh, the, the, the battle for sobriety is a daily one. But as you just said, the decision to say, I've had enough. It's time to fix things. It's time to get going here and take it seriously. That's the part that is so hard for so many people. So I just want to take a second to applaud you for doing that in your own personal life. However it had to be, however it came to be, I want to just say congratulations to you. I mean, that is one of the hardest things to do in life is to make that call. Well, I want to be clear because I'm a very honest person. Thank you. I'm not sober now. I am currently, but I was sober for a long time to make sure that I achieved what I wanted to achieve in my life. Yeah. And it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. That crazy time. I I don't like misleading people because like you'll see me out doing comedy. I'll have a drink, like whatever. But that was when I was young and now I'm, I'm good. I can like fucking right. just like. Well, that's like the hang. difference between, you know, figuring out, hey, you know, this isn't the right place or time. And then now here you are. You've done what you had to do. You climbed the mountain. You kicked the crap out of the goat at the top. You, you hoisted the cup. Man, I mean, like you said, career uh, highlights. You got them. So now you're just doing the regular safety stuff, you know, and that's what an adult is all about, man. I'm just a normal guy. I just, I, I always hate like when I say, that because I don't want to mislead people. So I just like to be completely transparent. That's that's a okay. And I, the congratulations is still valid for you, brother. Just want you to know that. Yeah, man. There's a, there's fucking plenty of days. I wish I could fucking have a beer, but I don't think anybody wants to see that if I have a fucking beer. Cause I, I don't think it would go well. Even after all this time, you know, everyone, yeah. everyone's different, but you know, I like, like uh, Ben said, like, you know, for you to, you were in obviously in a, in a bad place and you pulled it together and you fucking, I mean, dude, you're, you went from the Southern pro league to the fucking NHL. I think you're the only, I pretty sure the only guy that's ever done that. Yeah. That's a fact. So, um, and you know, one of the big questions I really wanted to ask you was like, you know, we, we go, we're all from Boston, right? We played hockey and grow up and every, you know, Hey, I want to play in the NHL. I want to play for the Bruins. You're a Chicago guy, like signed with Chicago and then go on to win a Stanley cup. Like how fucking unbelievable, like what were your emotions? Like lifting that cup up over your head with a fucking Blackhawks Jersey on. And it, it's like, people ask me that it's, well, first of all, it's like when I finished my season in Milwaukee the year before, I was like the top goal in the AHL and Milwaukee offered me like, well, Nashville offered me an AHL contract. And I was like, hmm. I think I'm going to wait it out. And so once free agency started, like every team in the league, like offered me. And then the Blackhawks came, I told me, I was like, don't give a fuck about money, nothing, sign that shit as quick as you can put fucking pen to paper you know and i knew i was going to be the four string goalie starting the year and like that was the coolest shit ever and then Corey crawford gets hurt in october and it's actually funny so we were playing the marlies and the equipment manager after the game 
tells me and Mike Layton, like, don't put your gitch in the laundry. One of you is going up. And I'm like, it's Mike Layton. Like, I throw my gitch in the laundry and walk away. I'm in the shower, like, Darles, get in here. They're like, you're going up. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. I gotta get my stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, grab my gitch. It's in the laundry. And so, and like, they hustled me. I had to go play. Like, we played like a day game. I had to be in Chicago that night. And so they like carry my shit out of the ring, get me to like this private airport, get me to O'Hare. People waiting for me, just get me to the rink like right away. And I didn't play that night, but I played the next night. And like being on the ice and seeing it actually makes me emotional to like think about it. Yeah. Seeing the whole thing, I'm like, I'm gonna be on TV. Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough not to, man. It's tough. <laughs> and uh I, I cried, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but then going through that season, like called ups and down, called ups and down. And then at the end of the year, it's like, just like, cause like my family, we were, we're Hawks fans our whole life. Like my families were at the parade in 2010. I watched 13 with my mom on her couch and then to like, like bring them like on the bus and everything, like to the, on the ice when we won, like badass baby. Wow. It's like, the coolest shit. Yeah. That's, uh, that's know, amazing, man. You that's also think amazing. for yourself, Scott, like where you came from, like like all the trials and tribulations going to the Southern Pro League, like it must have been like everything that you went through in your life and your career when you lifted that cup up, just freaking like a supernova, right? Dude, I, I, I'm like a pretty quiet guy. Well, not anymore now that I do comedy, but. Um, and like when I was playing, like I stared at my shoelaces, like I kept to myself and, uh, I fucking roared like, like a lion. Nice. Like like no one's ever hardly heard me talk and I fucking like just let it out, you know? Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, like you're, you're on the plane, you know, going from the HL, getting the call up to to the, to the Blackhawks. You're on the plane going over here. It's like. What's going through your head? Are you like, wow, like my dream is coming true. Like this is all the shit I went through. This is worth it. This is what I'm here for. This is what I'm meant to do. Like what, what's going through your, your, your mind at that time? It's, it's hard to explain, man. Like, honestly, cause like I was terrified. Like I worship the Hawks. Like I, I'm a fan. Right. So like, um, I was just like, and I'm also like an anxious person, like in general. So I was just like, worried about how I act. Like, what do I do when I get there? Do I talk to people? Do I not talk to people? Do I just like show up, put my gear on, sit on the bench? Like, you know, but everyone in the organization, the Blackhawks organization is unbelievable. Like everyone was so welcoming. The guys on the team were amazing. Like I got so lucky with that, those group of guys that I played with, like we're so close to this day, just the best guys, you know, just getting dabbed up by Jonathan Taves when you like worship Jonathan Taves, like, but they saw me as an equal when I saw myself as like a beer league goalie, you know what I mean? And they brought me in, you know, made me one of them. And like, it was, yeah, I can't, I can't even put in the words. I, I have a question. I think you'd be more than happy to answer. How did you feel when you finally got to pick up the phone and call the guy at the goalie mask shop and say, Hey, I need a mask. And we're talking Hawks colors. Tell me about that. Yeah. You know me, I'm kind of a gear whore. Um, so I, uh, I don't know, like being from Chicago, like I had so much fun designing Chicago masks. Um, 
Yeah, the Wayne just, and Garth one year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I got the Wayne's Roll <laughs> one. And, but Chicago was so great. I could get a new mask every week if I wanted to. Like, they, you know, no budget for them. And uh, so my first mask is, like, straight up, like, Hawks. Like, but I was, like, still timid and afraid. So I, like, secretly put, like, a Cubs logo, a Bulls logo, a Bears logo, like, in there. Like, kind of, nice. like, if you saw in the right light, you'd see it. But you wouldn't see it on TV kind of thing. But, uh yeah, that first one I, I hold near and dear to my heart. I would have went old school Eddie Eagle, baby. Uh, I was going to, but then Ranta did it the same year. So I couldn't, I didn't yeah. want to like copy him. But I, Ed Belfour was my guy. He was my favorite goalie growing up. Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. yeah. He was a son of a bitch, man. I loved how fucking gritty he was. Like, Oh, yeah. He was yeah. I, I do have to ask you about going back to the Southern Pro League real quick. One player from the Mississippi River River Kings, Leland Fiddler. You know the diddler? He's one of my best <laughs> friends. Dude, I love Leland. He is one he is one of my best friends. We played oh, men's shit. league. Oh yeah, when he stopped playing like we we have the same group of friends. We played on the same men's league. We were D partners together on the same men's league team for years and then that fucking asshole moved to Texas. Yeah, he's so soft. Oh, yeah. um, big time. He, he's, <laughs> well, he's got to protect his fucking Goldilocks, man. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I wish I could remember the name uh, that our coach used to like call him. He looked like some guy who played from the 70s. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but Run, no, it, it, I always call him the Diddler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's a great guy. He was <laughs> he was soft as shit, but a good high flip defenseman. Um, yep. I, I liked having him on the ice, but I knew he wasn't blocking shots. So I knew that fuck well, That's why I loved him as my men's league partner, because I was like, fuck this, man. I'm like, I'm not going yeah, past the red line. You, you just go end to end, all right? You just yeah. keep going. I'll be the stay-at-home guy. Well, <laughs> I, tell Dick I, I said hi, man. I will, definitely. I he, he comes back into Boston every now and then, and usually when the weather's nice, we hit the links together and then hit the town. I bet he can night, swing him. He... he Define swing. <laughs> he looks like a fancy boy, but he can play golf well. He is a fancy boy. He, he is yeah. a fancy boy. He still got That's the hair. Man. Yeah, still has the hair. You know, like but uh, off. I, I did. I had to ask because I was like, "Oh God, Fids." I got. I love him. I, I saw him a couple of years ago in Boston. Uh, That's the last time I saw him. Yeah, he. I'll I'll, I'll shoot him a text. Tell him he said hello. He's an <laughs> awesome, awesome dude. He's a great dude. I love him. That's so awesome. So, Scott, I was going to ask you, your day with the cup, I noticed you uh, spent it eating uh, Portillo's uh, Italian beef sandwiches. But talk about your day with your cup for a little bit. Anything unusual you did with it? or Other than eating a bunch of uh, roast beef sandwiches out of the cup? Top of grounds, old roast beef sandwiches. Yeah. Um, beef, though. Well, so I'm obviously from Chicago. So they gave me the cup first because it hadn't left the city yet. Um, awesome. And so I had kind of like a basic day with it. Like I had like the morning with my family, family and friends, like cook out. And yes, Portillo's is huge in Chicago. So they catered it for me for free in exchange for like, you know, social media posts or whatever. Nice. Because like you got to pay for your shit. So like I wasn't like, I didn't have a lot of money at this time. You know what I mean? I was like, I'll take a free catering job here. Yeah. And then my hometown had like a, excuse me, a parade. It was piss and rain, but everyone came out. So did like three hours of like just everyone from my hometown, sign autographs, take pictures, whatever. And then um, at night I had all my like former teammates, friends, coaches, hockey people, 
like a party downtown. And that was like my day with the cop, basically. Then at midnight, I was like, get this fucking thing away from me because <laughs> it's not somebody else's problem. No one, no one can lift the cup unless the player has one hand on it. So I did like 10,000 oh. that day. Jeez. And I was just like, take it, take it. I'm out of gas. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Guys, seriously, I love this. This is super cool, but get it away from me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. It was, I was, I think it was, might've been Chicklet I was listening to earlier in the week. And, um, they were talking about raising the cup and like veterans, like Ryan O'Reilly would have like the younger guys carry the cup around for him, make them lift it to pour drinks in, you know, pour drinks yeah. out of every, cause he's like, after fucking 10 or 15 lifts, he's like, you can't move, you feel your shoulders. He's like, they so make all the young guys do it. I was, I was fucking jacked after that day. <laughs> I bet. I had the best shoulders in the league. Yeah, not anymore, but for the next fucking few minutes, for a few weeks, I was, uh, I was looking good. <laughs> Quick question. I mean, obviously, that it's a heavy cup. It's filled with history. It's filled with tradition. It's filled with heavy, heavy medals. When you saw this uh, this last season, uh, Abe Kubel actually fall and drop the thing, <laughs> head into the picture. Could oh, you yeah. re- could you relate, or was that like ah he couldn't handle it? I personally couldn't, but that was very funny. Um, <laughs> there was uh, that that cup took a beating this offseason. Sure did, <laughs> dude. Who, who dropped it at the bar there? Did anyone see that? Yeah, someone like, smashed it at the bar, then someone went back. Yeah, that. Oh, um, for you talk about for Colorado, right? Yeah, at the yeah at the, uh, yeah, uh, at the club it? or something. <laughs> it was it was like a veteran guy too, and he was he was like his I think he was like, like a coach, like wasn't it like an older guy? I thought it was. I don't, I don't <laughs> recall. He went, he went to race. I just remember seeing it like go back, and he fell into the the yeah. There at some club or something, <laughs> but then someone dropped it in the locker room and dented it too. They yeah. dented it on the ice. Yeah, on the ice. That's what it was. Yeah, yep. went over to the team photo. Yeah, uh, he went to hit, he went to hit yeah. the brakes and realized he was way too top heavy, and that was all that took. I mean, geez, man, fucking hit the gym. It's not that heavy. <laughs> I'm sure you got a nice bonus from winning the cup. Go get yourself a gym membership, guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah now you can afford it. Yeah. Right, Scott. Those uh, so the 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 Hawks had some like really good cup runs there, you know. 2010, 13. I think everybody everybody in Boston hated me uh, because I'm a Hawks guy. I love the Hawks. Everything in 2013 was terrible. I like you, Heath. I got drafted by by the Hawks. I lived in Chicago for a a bit and coached out there. Um, Yeah, I didn't know you got drafted by the Hawks. I knew you coached in Bensonville. Yeah, I got uh, 97. Ooh, you're old. I'm old. I'm old, buddy. Um, we call him Popper on the pod. I was, I, was, I was drafted in 07. I feel old. I was uh, fucking best game I've ever seen. Uh, I got I a car out, that old. I was out there for nationals, <laughs> um, like 96, baby. And Chicago, we were, we were in town. One of the dads got tickets. It was uh, Chicago versus Toronto. Bob Probert scored fucking three goals, wow. had a hat trick, and fought Domi. Three fucking times in the That's same. a fucking game. <laughs> most unbelievable. Most the fucking every time those two guys are on the ice, the fucking place. It was a fucking unbelievable. And then when I lived out there, when I went back and coached out there, uh, I saw Lemieux's last game. So I love Chicago, man. It's a great city. And how was it like being in the locker room with? I mean, fucking you guys had 
yeah, fucking Kane, Taves, Hosa, Seabrook, Duncan Keith. I mean, you guys had a fucking wagon. How, how fun was that for a goalie in practice? Oh, my God. Imagine being a backup for that team when you got, like, all these workhorses. And, like, you know, the backup just eats shit. Like, I'd stay out for 45 minutes extra, like um, – because Crow Daddy's like the most underrated goalie in like NHL history. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, he's amazing. Um, so he could get off whenever he wanted. And I would just stay out there and, you know, Kaner, all those guys, they always want, they wanted to get better. They always worked on their stuff. So like I would just a thousand extra shots every time. And Sieb says like the heaviest shot in the world. I'm like, please no. Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> no more. Kaner wants to work on a shootout. So I'm like, my groins are both torn. I can't fucking do this anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the, the coolest part about you, you idolize these guys as a fan. And then you come into the locker room and they're just guys. They're just like you. They're like the nicest guys most welcoming like and i'm happy to consider them friends now but like i was scared the first time i walked in the locker room because like as a fan like i worshipped Corey crawford i worshipped patrick kane jonathan taves on keith seabrook jalmerson you know you name it and and it was like cool to like just find out that, like they're just guys like they're just like you good people fucking you know i i couldn't ask for a better set of guys when i played for the blackhawks that's awesome no doubt, no doubt. And had one of the best national anthems around. Dude, that yeah. national anthem, if, they, if that doesn't get you fired up, yeah. you don't have a ball. The old Chicago. He fucking belts it out, man. Yeah. Oh, the old. I like the old building. That place was fucking, you could feel that shit rocking outside. And yeah, we're not as old as you, man. So, <laughs> you guys, whatever. Savagery. <laughs> they don't love it. The old, old building, they had to walk up the stairs. <laughs> I tell kids now around here, I'm like, oh, I played in the old garden, and they were like, Oh, the TD garden, and I'm like, No, like the fucking old Boston garden. Like, you know, <laughs> no, that was two two gardens before that. Bricks on it, like falling down on it. They're like, Oh, you mean the Fleet Center? No, 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 the old. Garden. <laughs> no, 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 the, the the garden that when they tore it down, they found the skeleton of a monkey that had escaped in 1932. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Real what story, by like the way. With, uh... What was it like playing with Jordan Tutu, the the little freight train? Dudes, man, he is such a fucking like. I'm not just saying this; like, I would tell you if somebody was shitbag. Toots is like the best guy ever, like, and he has so many stories, like, because you know how it is when you're in the locker room, like your boys just chumming it up on the plane, chumming it up. Like, he has so many stories, but he's also like the nicest guy, and he always went out of his way to like take the younger guys, like in these cities he played in for 17 years, like he knew the best restaurants, the best, whatever. So like he'd always take the rookies or the younger guys like myself, like he'd be like, uh, we're going to dinner here tonight. Like I got a spot. I know somebody that we're going to have the nicest dinners, make sure like we enjoy the cities. Cause sometimes it's hard. Cause you don't know you're flying in to play a game, you're flying out, like whatever, but Tooch was the man. And, you know, I'm so happy for him and like his, career paths led him with all his personal stuff like you know his book's amazing if you haven't read it um and you know his upbringing where he came from like it's amazing that he i think he played what 18 19 years in the nhl or something yep. um yeah. and you know his story i can wow. even sniff at that like my i have a wild story but his is like incredible um but also come out on the end of it is like the best person ever like I have the utmost respect for him. I love that guy. And I, it was a pleasure to play with him. 
And he can also beat the shit out of you. Punch yeah, your fucking yeah. chest for your yeah. head, like, in two seconds. And <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't the the biggest guy either. I mean, no, five, he's a shrimp. Nine, he's a shrimp. But I wouldn't. Even, I mean, dude, I can throw hands. I'm six six. Like I I fight. Like I fought. But like I would never fight Jordan Tutu. And like he'd be staring at my nipples, but he'd beat the fucking wheels off me. <laughs> is, he from Alaska? is he from Alaska? No, he's from like way up in the territories and he's from like a little Nanavut, I think, right? Yeah, yeah none of it. And like yeah. he grew up in like a village where they like when we played in Winnipeg, his family would fly down and like bring us like live, like or fresh whale blubber that they harpooned the day before. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's where he grew up. Like wow. Yeah, and, and somehow he made it out of there to get to where he got. Like, that's fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah he's got a great story. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I think he's the only person of Inuit, like, uh, background. Yeah, I'm just saying, he, he is. He's one of the only yeah. ones. Yeah. So, Scott, I wanted you to also to uh, touch on, obviously, you know, you, you went up the ranks and, and had a great career, but, you know, I, I heard – you know, you're talking to on an interview of um, how much, how important it is when you're playing goaltender. Um, obviously only one guy can man the nets, but having a great partner and a great tandem on the ice and off the ice. And you mentioned that about Corey Crawford um, for our listeners, just tell what it's like, you know, being a part of a tandem and uh, what makes a good goalie tandem, like, you know, interpersonal relationship. Cause it's not always like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people. So, like, for me, I'm like, you know, I want everyone to do well. I'm, you know, I, I want people to succeed. And, like, that's because how I am. But when you're going up through the minors, like, it's competitive because everyone's trying to get somewhere, right? But when you get to the top, it's like, now it's all about the team. And that's something I learned from Corey Crawford. Because, like, there's nowhere to go. Like, I just want to do the best I can for that team. And so the best example of it is like in 2015 in the first round of the playoffs and we were playing Nashville and Corey got pulled. I went in, I started playing, I played that series. And I was like, I felt like I was taking his, like his spotlight. You know what I mean? He literally sat me down and he was like, dude, just, he's like, it doesn't matter. It's like the Hawks matter. Like, play the best. Let's go. Like, I got your back. Cause it's like, we're not trying to leapfrog each other. It's like, we're on the same team. We just want to fucking win. And, and that helped me a lot throughout that series. Cause I thought I was like, like he was mad at me or something. Cause like, like I said, I'm like an anxious baby. And, and so, but he was like, no, he's like, dude, do your thing. He's like, I got your back. Like, let's fucking go. And I was like, that was the cool shit ever. Like to have Corey Crawford, like that I was playing in front of him, like one of my idols and it was like the most professional thing I've ever seen in my life. And like, we, we weren't competitive against each other. We just wanted the best for the team. Um, but going up through the minors, there was some like caddy goalies, but like me, some of my goalie partners, are like my best friends nowadays. Cause like, I never <clears throat> considered us going against each other. It's like, if you're good, you're good. You're going to go up. You're going to go up. Like just play your best. Like I'm not competing with you. I'm competing with myself to like get up to where I want to go. Um, so I had a lot like a really good experiences with like a lot of goalie partners I had throughout the years. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so now kind of taking a, you know, going off kilter here, you retire and barstool doing stand up. 
I heard something about Chicago, like play by play guy. Whoa. Yeah. What's up with that? I heard that too. <laughs> That's not public knowledge. No, all right. Maybe, Shit. maybe not. So ax that from this interview. <laughs> well, well, I tell, well, I tell you what, what is public knowledge is that I do play-by-play here in Boston for high school hockey, and you are absolutely invited anytime you're in town to join me on the call for whatever high school game is happening that particular night that you okay. come out. Well, I got an offer for you. Ooh. Uh, get me booked in a, at a comedy show in Boston. I did one like three weeks ago. Um, I didn't like the place. Get me booked. Where was it? Where was it? What venue? It was some fucking shithole in, uh, it was like Brighton or something. I don't, I don't <laughs> That does not narrow it down enough, okay? <laughs> I know. Dude, um, honestly, I repressed the memory of doing that place. It was fucking terrible. Oh, um, man. All right, yeah. We're, we're going to have you down. I'm going to oh, engineer you, you, it for you. If you find somebody to book me in Boston, I'll come out and do a, I'll do play-by-play with you. So there's Dude, a guy. Done. There's a local guy. He's a, he's actually, he's a, he's a ref. Um, he's been, he does all the fucking high school games around here. Oh it's uh, God, that's right. Mark Riley. Yeah. He's fucked dude. He's hilarious. I literally, he's, we met him in the locker room one night. He came in, he started getting the ref gear on. We're just coming off the ice from coaching Clint's. That was the year you and I were had the team. And this yep. guy's just a funny son of a bitch. And I said, dude, you are really funny. He busts out his business card. He goes, professional comedian. Nice to meet you. Wow. <laughs> that's like what dude. No that's way. Awesome. So I will. I let's just do it. You just did a gig out at. Uh, we'll at, fucking go too. We'll yeah. support go, you. Go, man. We're gonna produce yeah. it. He just did a. He just did a gig at Gillette not too long ago. Um, but I'll reach out to Mark. We'll fucking we'll hook something up. There you well, go. That's my, that's my offer. Yeah, we'll 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 get it going. Hell yeah. So so Scott, I would, one thing I would love to see that man. I, I got yeah. I will personally produce this event and WMEX. 15:10 a.m. Quincy Boston is going to sponsor it. We're going to make this work. I call it right now. I'll be, there two, I'll be there in two seconds, man. I travel the whole country. I just did Phoenix this past weekend. Doing shows in New York this weekend. Uh, I've been I've been on the road for like the last seven weeks. Wow. So you're going, you're going hard and heavy at this. I love yeah, it. I don't fuck around, man. <laughs> I love it. No, no more. No better time than the present. Yeah. So one one thing I got to ask you, Scott, and the guys on here know. You know, obviously, you know, being drafted by the Coyotes, retired now. What are your thoughts on the fucking Coyotes playing at Arizona State University, and now that the arena is called Mullet University? Like, I, I got to get a professional hockey player's thoughts on this. Okay, so that was the best part about So I did shows in Phoenix <laughs> last weekend, and Saturday night I had a good crowd. Uh, <laughs> I did it at uh, the House of Comedy like Rick Brands' house comedy or something. Um, and so, you know, I like intro. I'm like, you know, I say like, you know, I was lucky enough uh, playing in the NHL. I played pro hockey for 11 years. And then since I was down there, I was like, do we know what hockey is here? And I waited, I waited. I was like, well, apparently you fucking don't. Because if you did, your team wouldn't be playing in a five thousand seat arena this season. <laughs> Dude, oh, God. Uh, like, uh, honestly, like every third podcast we bring it up, and like I can't believe the NHL is going to let this fucking abomination happen in in fucking. Yeah, it's because they moment. want the fucking escrow, man. They want the escrow to go up. Yep. The players pay up, just, so the players are paying for this. 
And yeah. so they're like, yeah, we can do that so that we can take money out of the players' pockets to give it to the owners. Like, that's why they're doing this. It's a disgrace, man. It really is. Like, it, People don't know about escrow, man. We get fucking – or I got – hooped on fucking escrow like and now now the escrow is even more because of you know covid yeah. and all that shit so yeah, i know it's, it's, oh, it's, it's fucking nuts man but i just i can't get over that like if i'm a professional if i'm a professional hockey player playing for coyotes i'm like no Dude, they were I, playing they were playing preseason in the <laughs> i used to play for the wichita thunder they were in the central league i think the coyotes are playing their preseason games in wichita <laughs> Oh my god. Because it's a better arena than what they have at ASU. Because yeah. that arena that we played in was sick. I think it was like eight thousand seats. Yeah, it was just yeah. like ten thousand seat arena. I think. Yeah, it's a huge, awesome arena. And yeah. so but, the Titans are playing their preseason games in Wichita. I was like, that's so but I just ugh. I don't get it because you know, then you hear about how it all evolves and you know the Arizona Coyotes gotta give Arizona State twenty million dollars to build out like their own area of the rink, their own locker room, training, all that stuff. But and I remember um, Paul Bissonnette talking about in Chicklet saying that there was another arena, like somewhere in Arizona, that needed like twelve to fifteen thousand, uh, twelve to fifteen million in upgrades, and it's it filled like fifteen, sixteen thousand people. It's like why not just take that twenty million, put it into the arena, and let your professional team actually have a professional arena instead of a college university? Because then the escrow doesn't keep going up. It's just yep. You know, oh. here, here's the here's the other thing. It's like. You know, hockey, we love hockey. We talk about it. We played it. But, like, it's not like other sports where there's, like, the big-ass TV deals. Like, it's a ticket. Like, it's a gate-driven sport. Like, I just don't know how they're going to survive with, like, fucking – Yeah, but that TNT deal was big. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean – So, like I said, there's something – I'm not a fucking scientist, okay? Like, I don't know the ins and outs. I didn't graduate college. But there's a reason why they're letting this happen, <laughs> you know. So there's something they're cooking up. Something I don't know. Some kind of BS going on here, and we're all going to yeah. find out TBD real soon, yeah, probably. Some fuckery about well, some fuckery. Well, he says. Of, <laughs> speaking of cooking things up, um, obviously I know you're, you're good friends with the Chicklets guys, and you know you participate in the Chicklets Cups. There's one video that I saw where you had Mister Noseface Killer. Up against, up against the fence, <laughs> and you you were not, you did not look happy with him. <laughs> I heard he's quite the slasher out on the court. I don't. So Noseface was in the ball hockey league though, so it was yeah, Biz. Biz had him up. I thought there was one of you that had him. There's one of me when I fucking snapped on like I play in the roller. Okay. So there was one where like some guy ran me and like. I'm not trying to like get hurt out here. You know, like this is all fun. Some guy ran me and another guy slashed me in the leg and I, I almost fell and like, I'm not trying to fall. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like in the video, I'm just like, you do not want to piss me off. (laughs) 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 And so I was like, I need to fucking change. Like, I'm going to fucking fight somebody. Like, (laughs) like, I need to decompress. (laughs) Oh my God. That's too much. 
yeah. I, I want to turn it back because we, we are a, uh, a Boston Bruins podcast here, of course, uh, Causeway Kings and the WMX Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for still being with us here. Uh, let's talk about this. Obviously, you played against the Bruins, and you uh, saw your fair share of some real talent coming at you from the other end. And uh, you, you don't know Coach Chiggs, but he's got a real thing for Krejci. And uh, I need to ask you on behalf of him, how good did it feel to actually stonewall Krejci a couple times? Because you definitely had his number more than once. Yeah, surprisingly, I had Boston's number when I played. Um, yep. I think I, <laughs> I think I maybe lost to him one time. Maybe once. Yeah, I think one time. Um, but, I mean, Krejci... Those guys are amazing. Like, I remember, like, the first one, one time I got from Chara, I felt like I got hit by a bowling ball. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Pasta, like, he's amazing. Martian, the rat, actually the nicest guy off the ice, but on the ice. Like, you know, he's the guy that, like, you hate, but you'd want him on your team, you know. Yep. He would yeah. skate through my crease and, like, clip my skates and try and trip me, like, stuff like that. I'm like, you go. <laughs> uh, at least he wasn't um, trying to lick you. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, like, if he was Gene Simmons, he could get his fucking tongue through my cage. <laughs> um, the visual uh, that just came with that. Now the coolest, coolest game ever uh, for me in Boston. This you guys are gonna kick out of this. Um, <laughs> I was. This was a long time ago. So um, I'm standing. I'm national anthem. Look to the left. I know where my girlfriend's sitting, and I see three seats over is my ex girlfriend from college. Oh shit! And they had no, no way. They were right next to each other. No way. And I was yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Like my <laughs> college girlfriend knew who she was. She didn't know who she was. And I was like, "Uh oh." Okay. I was like, "I gotta get back in the game. I gotta get back in the game." <laughs> it was it was father's trip. They didn't. It wasn't a back to back, and I was a backup for Chicago. But Quinville let me play because like I've been playing well, and it's a father's trip and whatever. I'm freaking out about what's going on over there. And I ended up having the best game ever. We won one nothing, like by shot the bees. <laughs> and wow. they never interacted. So everything worked out perfectly that night. Oh my God. Unbelievable peripheral vision that night. Yeah. Oh, dude, I have eyes in the back of my head. Like, <laughs> Not only did he catch the entire game in a shutout performance, but he also kept an eye on the drama in the stands. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's funny. God, I, I wanted to ask you too, like when it comes to comedy, first of all, I mean, I personally, I just, I love it. I, I think it's like therapeutic. Like I used to go to the old comedy connection 10 to 15 times a year back when it was um, at Faneuil Hall. But just talk about like your, first of all, it takes balls, obviously, but talk about like your influences and like, you know, just, just how, you know, just the methodology of being a comedian, because um it's it's definitely awesome and it's truly a science in my opinion yeah it's it, i'm learning as i go it's it's uh it's very interesting so like and to your point it's therapeutic so like my my jokes that i tell and my like routines they're all real stories like uh you know i make light of like trauma in my personal life like i make fun of my my dad drowned a few years ago so like i make a joke about him drowning I make a joke about my mom getting cancer multiple times, make a joke about getting divorced. You know, I dated a narcoleptic girl and we had an episode involved in narcolepsy. So I joke about that. Oh, so, man. Like, so like my humor is like very fucking 
Uh, Specific. Yeah, but like people <laughs> always ask me after the shows, like, did that really happen? I'm like, yeah, that fucking happened. Like, um, and uh, so, but it, it is it is therapeutic. Like, because like I, I turned the corner when I was like 30, where it's like I, I don't really care what people think about me anymore. Like, I'm just like team transparency. It's like ask me anything, I'll tell you anything. Like, I don't really care anymore. Like, I'm me. I know I'm a good person, and that's it. Like, I'll go through the wall for you if you're a good person. You're my friend. And so if you want to judge me for like, you know, shit I went through when I was like 21, it's like, I don't fucking care. Like go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. So, and uh, just talking about like, <laughs> um, it's like, even so I like kind of open up my sets where I'm like, you know, I, I do the hockey intro and I'm like, you know, it's my first year retired, you know, first year retired. And I've been like missing this feeling, you know, that shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, of letting in a goal in front of 20,000 people every night. Like what could fill the void? (laughs) (laughs) And here I am. And I love it because I feel like shit every time I get this mic out of my hands, but I love it. And I feel off it says a lot about who I am as a person. You know, it was like stuff like that, like self-deprecating and then just going through like these stories. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I love watching, uh, Tom Segura, Bert Kreischer, uh, Chris DeSefano. I'm actually going to see him tomorrow night. Nice. Um, and uh, Andrew Santino, like all the big names, you know. Nice. So I saw uh, Bert. I saw Bert. Uh, he played down Cape Cod during COVID. He did oh, one of those. One of those. Yeah, driving shows. Yeah. So I think like Chappelle did like one of those. And then all of a sudden, you know, everyone started. And I went and saw a few of those during yeah. pressure, man. Holy shit. That guy is he's a machine. He is. He took walks on stage, rips his shirt off. He's happened the rapper. It was, oh, dude, what a show. He's fucking. But they're like, like, it's funny because he's that's him. He's not yeah. he's not he's not like just up there like you know, ripping one-liners and, you know, he's, he's telling these real life fucking stories and he's just, he's so smart. And I, I, I feel like a lot of those, like Bill Burr, Segura, Segura is fucking brilliant. Oh, uh, amazing. And, uh, and Kreischer, I like that, that new kid, um, Andy Schultz. He's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, funny. Yeah. And, uh, I love Chappelle. Chappelle's fucking. Awesome. Oh, he, he's the G like he's. Yeah. He's so but the, the most impressive thing about them is like a like I, I still have a hard time like memorizing like long sets so um I'll, I'll still like leave a piece of paper like on a stool in case I lose where I'm at which is like bullet points yeah um but I mean the most I've done is like 15 20 minutes maybe um that's a but, long time in front of a microphone if you're not yeah. quite used to it still you know and it takes time like I said I've been on air since 2013 and uh, I don't think I stopped having literal panic attacks about going on air until maybe year five. It took a oh, while for me. I've only been doing this for five months. I have a panic attack for every show. So you're doing it uh, right. Yeah. Uh, that's so you know I care. Um, yeah, you're investing. Like, I, I got like some guy tried to run me off stage. I was doing a big show in Chicago last week. And uh, this guy, he thought I was looking at my notes, but like I have like a nervous tick where like, after I do a punchline, I'll like look down. I wasn't even looking at where my notes were. And the guy started yelling at me, like, memorize it, memorize it. I'm like, Mem- memorize what? <laughs> not even fucking looking at my shit. Like, shut up. And then he's like, boo, boo. He's like, you're a bomb. I'm like, I was like, excuse me? Like, whatever. And then 
he's like, fuck you. And I was like, I was like, you know what the best part about winning a Stanley Cup is? I don't give a fuck what you have to say. I come off like an arrogant asshole, but like in real life, I'm like the nice, I, I'm the nice guy ever. But, and he kept going. He's like, you're a loser. You're a bum. And I was like, dude, I made $20 million playing hockey. Like, shut the fuck up. It's and, like, dude, you get up here and fucking do this. Like, but he, goes, like, he goes, you're putting me to sleep. I'm going. He got up. He goes, I'm going, you're putting me to sleep. I go, Probably should go to sleep because you gotta wake up to work at Walmart tomorrow. <laughs> Vicious. Vicious. I love it. Oh, dude. that's unreal. Like the but the, I hate people like that. It's like, dude, be a respectful audience. Like it takes a lot of balls and nerve to go up there in front of fucking people. you know, no matter whether it's thirty thousand, three hundred or whatever, like that that's bullshit. I, I fucking hate people like that. And they have in you know, they have zero talent. So, you know, that's but that's why I don't care, because I know that, like, you know, I already have my feather in my cap and like this is fun for me. Like, I don't make money doing this. I usually break even on these like touring trips, like, but it's like I love it. But it's like you're not going to offend me, man. Like you're paying to fucking come here to watch me do Sam. I felt the same way when people chirp me in hockey. It's like, remember what side of the glass you're on, you know, <laughs> so I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you've lived in you've lived in a locker room for 25 years. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, we've we've all been in locker rooms. Like that's some of the funniest shit. Like just being in a locker room for you know 30 and 30 nothing better with a bunch of just fucking clowns. Just you know. Yeah. Fuck. It's, it's the best, man. If if you're okay with like yourself, yeah. like fucking just like bring it on, dude. I'll send it right back at you. Yeah. Especially hockey guys. Like if you're gonna survive and you play at a higher level, like you got to be able to mix it up in the locker room a little bit. And you got to be able to kind of fucking take some, take some shots from a few of the boys. And in the, so, words, in the words of business, man, you got to have that thick foreskin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or get a yeah. transplant. It's about right. <laughs> that's all. Oh my yeah. God. That's too oh, funny. Man. Uh, we have we had a lot of more. <laughs> I don't even know that we, we went we went off the rails a few different times and places. So now we're having fun at this point. Um, what's something that you would want people to know about being an actual pro goalie in the show that they would never know unless you mentioned it to them right here tonight? It's the most stressful thing in the world. Like, no matter what, you're never the hero. You're only the goat. Like if you lose, it's all your fault. Everyone says it's your fault. No one cares. Only goalies care about how goalies like play. So you could have the best game of your life, but somebody scores and they're the first star of the game, like whatever. So it's like, you're like the secret, uh, you know, captain of the team. Like, you know, you're the most, in my opinion, the most important player on the ice is the goalie. I might be biased, but I think that people don't understand, like, if a goalie has a bad night, like, the game's over. Like, you're losing. If a player has a bad night, you can hide on the bench. But goalies can't. And so there's, at least the way that I felt about it, like, there's a huge weight. I threw up before every single, 750 pro games, I threw up before every single game I played. Wow. Anxiety and pressure and, like, fear, like, Every single game I threw up after warmups. So um, I think that's something that people don't really realize. Especially, I mean, not even just being a pro, but just the goalie in general. I mean, 
uh, I never got to play, you know, pro obviously or anything sub, uh, with substance. But you know, even when I was a kid playing roller hockey out in the day, you know, taking slap shots and trying to replays and react and stay quick and all those things. I mean, at the end of the day, you're getting peppered by long ball shots out of a cannon, you know, and there's really no easy way to deal with that. And there's no amount of gear that's really going to prep you for that impact. So how do you handle literally millions of physical impacts to the body and like that? Well, you know, I have 57 broken bones. Um, so that's how I handled that. Um, <laughs> but, um, five grand worthy gear on <laughs> yeah literally and uh yeah there's there's no i don't know man you know what you're signing up for like i was lucky enough no concussions but i still have like things in my body that you know my right leg hardly works still from being a goalie for, for 25 years um so i gotta get some surgeries um but it was worth every second of it you know i knew what i was doing and it was my choice and I loved it. And I, I wouldn't change a fucking second of my career. Um, other than probably playing better for the hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, you did the best you could with what you were given. So don't worry about that. Well, that's why it's a goalie graveyard, man. There's just some fucks goalies. Yeah. Like every guy goes there to die. And I was one of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's a pretty good highlight reels on a few of them, man. I was watching some video. You can look at, you can look at all the goalies who went through there. It's a graveyard. Um, it's Bill Peters so. is an asshole too, so you know. he was nice to me. I, I'll never say a bad word about him. Um, but I, I've heard things. But he was he was great to me, so I'm not gonna. Uh, Fair enough. As long as he was good to our boy, that's what matters. All right, good. How, yeah, was, how was it? How was it playing with local boy Noah Hannafin, the, the man rocking Hannafin. himself? He was busy golfing. <laughs> no, the boy was a great kid. He's kind of a fucking idiot, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's oh, funny. This is the best part about not being in hockey anymore is I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yep. That's I awesome. used to do like barstool like while I was playing and I had to like censor myself. And like, I love nowhere to death, but. He's like the male ditz. Like uh, he's he's a great kid, though. Um, he's a good man. hockey player, though. He's got a hell of, uh, hell of a flow. Oh, he's a he's an amazing hockey player. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've I known Noah since he was like fourteen because I used to play those Foxborough summer leagues in Boston. Yeah. yeah. He was on the up and up the whole time. He was Cater's guy, so I played on Team Cater. I've known Noah since he was a kid, and we ended up being teammates. He's an amazing player. Yeah, and and as Whitwell always said, he's a man rocket. Yes. Oh, he's a hunk and a half. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Is he? Is he? If only he, he could talk. If he could talk, he might get laid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, but but I'm I mean, giving you guys all the ammo like, here. I'm gonna get in I trouble. Mean, for this one. You're, you're, <laughs> he is gorgeous. When I wouldn't. That, when you're that good looking, you don't need to talk. I'm sure it worked out for him. I mean, know, all you like, gotta do is say, "I'm show sure." Like, show them an ATM receipt, and then just whip it out, and they're like, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> hey, Scott, I wanted to ask you real quick too about like, what was it like to um, play for Rod Brindamore? I heard you know people say good things about him. Rod the Bod, um, 
Rod the Bot hated me. Really? I, yeah. I have nothing but respect for Rod. He is a great coach. He's a great guy. He did not like me. Um, because, as you know, he's a gym rat. That's why he's Rod the Bod. Yeah. I'm not a gym rat. And he always came down to me. But he put me in fat camp. And, like, I'm not fat. I'm just fucking skinny. Like, I, I don't know. Like, And so – we, we never, we never saw eye to eye. And our biggest gripe was like my second year in Carolina. I went nose to nose with him. It's probably the fucking ballsiest thing I've ever done. I went nose to nose with him. Wow. And because I was coming back from an injury, I tore my hamstring. I told Rod, I was like, I was like, you want me to be the starter? I was like, give me five games, win or lose. Give me five games. Like, if you don't like what you see after the five games, do whatever the fuck you want with me. Trade me, send me down, wave me. Like, I don't care. And he's like, okay. And like, we were fucking like at each other's faces and win the first game, win the second game, lose the second game, but it played well. We lost two to one waved. Wow. Wow. Like that. I got waved right after the game and I was like, you motherfucker, man. Like I thought we had like a gentleman's agreement on this. And that was the end of my NHL career. That's how, that's how it all ended. So, but like I said, he's an awesome guy. He is, he's so much fun in the locker room. He's a little too intense for me. Like I'm more loosey goosey, like, as you can tell. Um, But I, I have nothing but respect for him and he's a great coach and I'm happy the Canes are doing great. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was the end of my NHL career. I'm sorry to ask that. I mean, I should have asked you about Q instead. I'm sure. No, I don't, dude, I don't care. Like I, I'm so proud of my 11 years, Pro. like I, I, I got, I got no regrets. Like it was, as you, it was the as best you fucking should be. Yeah. Right. Dude. You, you got know, a, like, like, you it, got a cup. like you told the guy in the stands, I made $20 million playing hockey and I won a Stanley cup. Yeah, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Have, like, have, have fun working at Walmart tomorrow morning. Yeah, or that, or that asshole care. in Philly that heckled you. And you you wrapped up in in Austria. Yeah, I went I went to Austria for a year. Then I came back and I went to the Florida Panthers with Q. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then it was the COVID year, so their AHL team didn't play. Charlotte didn't play that season, so they had five goalies and nowhere to put anybody. Um, so I went to Rockford in the AHL, uh, the Hawks farm team. I was commuting from Chicago to Rock. It was like an hour and 40 minutes of practice every day. And I was just like, it's not worth it anymore. Like, you're not even paying me enough to cover my gas at this point. So that's when I hung them up. But Austria was great. I love playing in Europe. That's awesome. You like I, to travel, right? Pardon? You like to travel. I love traveling, yeah. I see. I I've been, I think I've been following you on Instagram for a little, a little while. Yeah, I got about uh, 34 countries under my belt. More to come. Wow. That's but, awesome. Yeah. What's the favorite one you've been to so far? New Zealand. Uh, we, we've talked to some folks from New Zealand on uh, some other shows and podcasts, and it's like a whole other world over there, isn't it? It's the best. It's like a, such a melting pot. Like nobody, like my favorite spots, like Queenstown, New Zealand. Nobody's from Queenstown, New Zealand. It's like all these people in the world who visited and never left. And I loved it there. Tokyo is probably my second favorite, but I loved Austria. Austria was great because I was like in this cool pocket where like I was 10 minutes from Italy, 20 minutes from Germany, 30 minutes from Switzerland. So I could like have lunch in Italy, dinner in Germany and sleep in my bed in Austria. Like it was, uh, 
It was super cool. And the hockey was dog shit, so it was easy. (laughs) (laughs) That was the easiest part. (laughs) Now, you know, obviously hockey players have, like, you know, rituals and pregame routines. And I've played with a few goalies that have had some pretty odd routines pregame. Did, were you, did you have any superstitions? Like, did you follow the same routine every game? And no, it was kind of your my, only thing, my only thing was puking. That's it. So, so that was your pregame yeah, tradition my, my ritual. Routine is like I was the first one off the ice, and if I was starting in warmups, and I had to go fucking let it out, empty the tank. Yeah, I would chug three bottles of water, so I made sure I had something to fucking puke up, and then that was it. Good to go. Yeah. So that puke, re- like, you can go win a cup. What else could be better? Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. I mean, uh, I, I could understand that being the case for the first like couple of seasons while you know you're sorting it out, but like that's crazy that that happened every single game all the way to the end. Yeah, I think it was around 750 pro games, um, every single game. Because wow. like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you want to do the best for your team. You want to do the best you can do, and so the pressure's on. Even like in Austria, when the the hockey was fucking terrible. Um, I went there more for vacation than like trying to progress my career. Um, but I still cared for the guys on the team and like, I wanted to do the best I could for them. And, you know, my team was so bad. <laughs> I was like, here comes 60 shots tonight <laughs> <laughs> oh, and let's go. <laughs> well, all, along that same line, I mean, I got to ask you then, uh, all throughout your career, how important was it to be working with a nutritionist and making sure that your input is enough to take the output for all the things that you did? Um, well, I, I'm a big sweater. Like, so I used, I would lose like 12 to 13 pounds a game when I played just from water weight. What? Yeah. So I had a big problem with like cramping. Um, so a nutritionist, like they helped me a lot. I used to get IVs before I played the games, just like preemptively because I sweat like a maniac. Um, and then one year, I think it was 2017, 18, I got fat um, and I couldn't lose the weight. I gained like 15 pounds in the off season. Like I took my foot off the gas when I signed my big contract. I kind of just chilled that summer, showed up to training camp, like overweight, and I just couldn't lose the weight. I couldn't because, like, you're spending so much energy, so you're hungry all the time. And then Carolina gave me nutritionist after my first season that, like, fixed it right away. She all, all I had to do was I had to start binging in the morning and eat less throughout the rest of the day. I lost, like, 25 pounds, like, wow. right away. Because I used to, like, try and starve myself, and then I'd binge at night because I was so hungry. After I was doing two-a-day workouts, you know, skating, like, I was so hungry. Like I needed sustenance. And she just told me, she's like, what you're doing at night, do it right when you wake up. And I just had the fattest gross. Like I didn't have to change what kind of food I was eating. Just like, she's like, eat everything you want in the world in the morning. And all of a sudden I just dropped like 25 pounds. I was in the best shape of my life. My second year in Carolina. Wow. Well, I'm having, I'm having a fucking baked potato and a filet and chicken for fucking breakfast tomorrow. Now dude, yeah. I'm telling you, like, it's a fucking cheat code, man. Like I could not believe it. I've been trying for months to lose this extra weight that I had. And that's why the team got me the nutritionist. And like within like a week, I saw a change. That's- I was eating everything in the world in the morning. And then I'd have like a small lunch, regular dinner, go to sleep. I dropped everything. I was fucking, I was like an Adonis after doing this for a few weeks. So I'd recommend that to anybody. Cows in the morning, 
don't binge at night. You're good to go. Wow. It's almost like, re- like reverse fasting. Yeah. It's amazing what the human body's capable of, isn't it? That's, yeah. That's wild. Um, I just had a random one I wanted to throw at you here, too. Uh, how did it make you feel uh, watching another hometown kid, Scott Foster, get the emergency <laughs> backup call? And how did you feel watching him play? Uh, no, I'm, dude, I'm fucking happy for him. That's awesome. What a dream come true. Um, as I said, I want everyone to do well in their life, but uh, I, my Twitter like blew up. I had no idea why. And the first tweet I pulled up was like, Scott Darling, who? Scott Foster. (laughs) 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 I was like, what the fuck just happened? So I was scrolling through Twitter. like, oh my God, this guy just made eight saves to save the game against the Jets. So good for him, man. That's awesome. The playoff bound Jets at that too. Yeah. He made one really good save against Bufflin, I think. Um, so good for him, man. I want, like I said, I want everyone to do well in their life. So that's awesome for him. Absolutely. Uh, guys, we're going to go ahead because I just noticed what time it was. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, 10.04 here as we record here on Tuesday night. Fucking... Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> Deadass? Like, that's crazy. All right, final thoughts. Let's go around the horn. I had no idea. Uh, Clance, go ahead and start us off. We'll move on to Merrill, Gordo, and then we'll wrap it up with Scott. No, awesome, uh, Scott. This this, is, this has been amazing. Can't thank you enough. Um, I texted Fiddler. He says you're an absolute beauty. So he says hello. But uh, no, I can't thank you enough. Um, obviously, congrats on all your accomplishments and you know overcoming the the struggles that you had and, and being the, the amazing human you are now. And wish you nothing but the best of luck in comedy. When we sign off, though, you do have to give us your address because we are in the process of having Causeway Kings hockey jerseys made. You're so getting one, love, buddy. We, We'd love to get you one. If you want, I, I can have your number put on it with Darling on the back. Um, love for you, you know, love to just be able to send you one, you know, just for taking your time out of your schedule to, to be a guest on our show. Of course. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Merrill, go ahead, buddy. Now, this has been absolutely amazing. Like, you know, Scott, with your story, it is truly, you know, inspirational and, um, you know, it's just so entertaining and you're such an intellectual guy. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on with us and sharing your story. Um, definitely, you know, we were fans. We were fans before, but we're definitely even more fans now. And, and good luck to your next uh, your next career. And, um, you know, definitely you're in the area, man. We want to support you. We'll be there. You let us know when and where and what we got to do. We'll be there for you, man. Thank you so much for being uh, for joining us on this podcast. This is great. Yeah, man. Finally, nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. The fucking Weissman. You got to meet Scott someday. He's the fucking best. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'll fucking meet this guy. Uh, no, this, this has been this has been awesome, man. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, you know, it's the your story is fucking incredible. It's incredible. And the, I, I feel like the next chapter, where you're gonna fucking blow up and be some big time comedian. So. I, I think you should fucking write a book, to be honest with you, and tell your story. So, because um, it's, it's you know, especially for somebody like me, like you're getting choked up, you know, they're a little bit like listening to stories like your, yours, um, especially where I fucking, I unfortunately didn't see the light for a long fucking time. And, uh, you know, by the time I came out of it, everything was over. So, but I'm alive. I'm happy. I get to talk to people like you, which is amazing. So 
but I, I think you should write a book, man, someday and fucking tell your story. Maybe they'll fucking make a movie about you. And, um, and I'm, I'm going to talk to uh, Mark Riley and fucking get you get you a gig out here. And we're, we're going to come fucking guns blazing to watch you fucking do some do some stand up, man. So fucking thank right, you. Baby. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Be- we'll be backstage backstage passes. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Where I perform, you won't need backstage pass. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing the vibe or dumb and dumber. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, as is tradition, we'll ask you final thoughts and anything that you'd like to mention to folks. Uh, where can folks find you on social media? Where can they find out where your next show is? Uh, of course, you're going to have plenty of them in Boston coming up, but uh, where are you heading? Where can people find you? And then we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't really promote my stuff now. Uh, there's really nowhere on the internet you can find me for comedy. Um, I'm still figuring out how to navigate that. Um, but I will say any Boston listeners, if you know any bookers or anything in Boston, I'll be on the next flight out there to, uh, do some shows, uh, hopefully make you laugh. Um, but no, this has been great. You guys are great. I hope this thing works out fucking perfectly for you. I love the logo, as I said. Um, so I want that Jersey. I will give you my address. Um, but yeah, you guys are great. And I hope this fucking skyrockets. If there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Um, but other than that, just if anyone ever says the word comedy, mention my name. <laughs> That's it. You got it, buddy. Absolutely. We really definitely love to have you back on. That's fucking for sure. Oh, anytime. I love this shit. That's right. I can't wait to get you on a uh, a play-by-play color commentary duo with yours truly. This is going to be a good time, man, so we'll make that work. But Scott Darling joining us here on Causeway Kings. Thank you so much, bud. And, uh, well, you're stuck with us for life now, and uh, welcome aboard. So that's what's going to be cool moving forward. On that note, boys, as is tradition, and Scott, feel free to jump in with us here. It's going to be a Let's Go Bees on three. One, two, three. Let's, Let's go. go. Bees. Hawks, maybe. Shut up. <laughs> no chance of saying that. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's the way the cookie crumbles here on Causeway Kings. <laughs>